Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined with Mac Wallace, who is a senior director, head of financial products at Empower Finance Financing, which is a leading provider of student financing to international and DACA students. His area of expertise is the use of new methods in data and analytics in highly regulated areas of consumer finance, including credit underwriting. Mr. Wallace, also Mr. Mac Wallace. Um, he also serves as the international, as the external advisor at both the Aspen Institute and the World Bank, where he researches and publishes on the use of data and technology to advance financial inclusion and customer protection. Welcome to the show today, Mac. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited to have you on. What I'd really love to kind of kick this off with is asking you a little bit about your journey. What got you into this space to begin with? Did you always know you were going to be working um, in kind of this finance space and analytics and data and kind of, you know, everything you're seeing in AI today? Or tell us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. Uh, something that I knew from a very young age is a passion around helping people live better, financial, healthier lives. Um, and ultimately, I discovered the best way of doing that was through data and technology. Um, so my my first exposure to financial products uh, was in college. I worked abroad for a summer for a microfinance institution. And that really opened my eyes to the power of finance as a tool to improve people's lives. So, you know, it's quite amazing firsthand to see uh, the power, for example, of a light at night uh, for someone who previously didn't have electricity made possible through a solar loan. Um, so children studying, for example, women in the kitchen. Um, and so that was really an eye-opening experience for me early on. Um, returning from college, I studied with a professor who uh, was hands-on designing micro-insurance and micro-credit products. Um, and that really got me in my first um, my first way using data tools like Stata, ArcGIS, uh, and that really ignited that passion in technology and, and, and data specifically. Uh, my first job was in financial services was actually for the government. Okay. Um, I know many people wouldn't consider the government as a hotbed of, of innovation, um, though when I, would there, uh, when I was there, it was. Um, so I was one of the first employees at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, which was created after the financial crisis uh, to be a vanguard um, and to wield finance as that powerful tool, um, as a force for good in the world. Um, and that's where I really sunk my teeth into using data and technology uh, into helping make a better policy and also helping people, you know, with their finances. Um, when I left government, this was about seven years ago now, okay. um, I decided to focus once more on that problem around microcredit and and how to use data and technology to expand access to, to better financial products. Um, and ultimately, that's where I landed into fintech. Um, so for, the, for that time, I've, I've been working in fintech. And really thinking about how do you deploy AI machine learning into expanding access to affordable credit around the world? Very, very cool. Fascinating background, and yeah, going from the the uh, you know the government sector to the private sector, and and everything you see there, I'm sure is giving you a ton of insights. Something I'd love to ask you about, kind of what you're working on now, is you know like how does Empower Financing leverage AI to make credit underwriting more efficient and inclusive? You know, you kind of mentioned that's kind of your your goal and vision and what you're you're excited to work on. Tell us a little bit about that. Great question. So so for those not familiar with Empower, um, and and through the introduction you alluded to this, um, we've become a large provider of financing to international and DACA students. 
And so we solve for this gap that exists within the financial system. So if you're a U.S. citizen, you can go get a student loan from the Department of Education or go to a U.S. bank in order to get a student loan. Um, but if you're one of the nearly 2 million international students in the United States or Canada, those options aren't accessible to you. And that's where we come in. Um, so using machine learning uh, and AI and new data sources, uh, we've been able to build end-to-end -end a loan product that is really suitable and solves for these gaps that exist in the financial system. Um, so we use AI machine learning throughout our customer journey in about four key areas. Uh, there's marketing, there's underwriting and verification, there's the onboarding process, there's account management as well. Um, so for example, in underwriting and verification, uh, we use new data sources and machine learning together within our credit model um, to approve more people, uh, oftentimes without a credit history for, for a student loan, and to process a lot of the documents and other information that we need to verify as a part of the lending process. Uh, the impact has been pretty phenomenal uh, through adopting AI and machine learning in our business. Okay. Um, with, our, with our business, for example, uh, we have a global platform. It's 100% uh, digital and paperless, and we lend to people in over 190 countries. Oh. Uh, and the risk that we see is, is actually pretty low. Um, so we are oftentimes um, at benchmark or, or beating our competitors in terms of you know, uh, fraud or non-payment. Wow, that's, what? that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting. That's super cool. Um, I mean, so I know you're you're at benchmark in you know compared to your competitors for for fraud in other areas because I'm sure you know a number of people be, would be like, oh, you're you know working in these certain areas, there might be higher risks. Um, so that's incredible. You've been able to achieve that. What I'm wondering is, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges? That you've kind of faced there and also in you know applying ai methods to like this is a highly regulated area consumer finance so what are some of the challenges that you you've faced there and, and kind of with applying ai to this absolutely uh we so the the biggest challenge is one of responsibility uh lending is a high stakes use case and that's why there's so much regulation and compliance as it relates to this um, and that's because we bear a big responsibility around who gets money and who doesn't, and at what price um, that that does happen. So financial services are ultimately this powerful force in the world to help people um, become homeowners, attend school, um, and and access a number of other areas um, in, in their lives. So we need to be 99% sure that we are acting responsibly in our practices and conduct. Um, so for us specifically, that is opening doors of economic opportunity for people who previously would not be able to get approved for a student loan. Um, so about half of our customers are low, moderate income. Um, half are about our first college, uh, first generation college students. Okay. Um, so these are people where, you know, getting a loan from a bank really isn't an option. Um, so we've been able to use new data and machine learning together um, to approve people who previously would not have been. That's super cool. That's, I mean, that's got to feel awesome that you, you know, you're part of a mission that really is making such a big impact for people. Um, I'm wondering when it comes to the overall field of kind of machine learning, I'm wondering if you can share a couple insights on how machine learning, in your opinion, is kind of enabling new opportunities in fintech. Absolutely. So, so it's the combination of both new data sources combined with advancements in machine learning AI, which I think are really exciting. Um, in fintech, Currently, I think the use cases related to credit 
and underwriting and expanding access to lower cost products is really exciting. Um, likewise, in insurance, the whole underwriting process, I think, has a lot of opportunity as you apply more advanced analytics to it. Um, and then more broadly within uh, the financial ecosystem, uh, whenever you can uh, lower costs uh, to, to customers, um, you can bend the cost curve and make financial products that are better, lower price, more accessible to more people. And I think that is also really exciting in terms of the opportunity ahead um, for more people to gain access to the financial tools that previously have only uh, been available to the wealthiest or, or high income people. Um, so so that, that's what I would say is, I think, really exciting and what's new. On, on the new data aspect in particular, and, and I can dive deeper into this um, through the podcast, um, the, the CFUB is uh, undergoing a rulemaking for open finance. And so what I'm most excited by in the years ahead is the availability of new types of financial data and the use cases that, that will become available um, over time. That's fascinating. And I would love to kind of double click on that. Based off of what, you, what you're seeing now in regards to that, what do you kind of predict will happen in the future? What, what are some sure. of most excited about, you know? So, so open finance is something that I'm super excited by right now. Uh, and, and it requires standards and regulation. Um, and, and for policymakers to lead a little bit here, data and technology are the facilitating and enabling mechanism. Um, but policy is also really important here and, and will enable that. Um, so I'm really excited about use cases in the future where um, a person could see their entire financial life essentially in one hub. So think of a, a mint.com on steroids uh, where you're able to view you know, all of your um, debts, all of your assets, um, your cash flow data, your payroll data. Um, and you can have, you know, you can give someone the superpower of understanding insights about themselves financially and then pair them with products and, and services that are most suitable for them. Um, so imagine like everyone in, in their phone has their own high net worth uh, financial advisor coaching them on the best things to do. I think that's the future of financial services that open finance and, and new data will enable. That is so incredible. I like, I for one, I've been, yeah, a big fan of, it used to be called Truebill, now it's called Rocket Money because uh, I think Rocket Mortgage bought them. But then also Mint, same thing, right? So I've always been a fan of these apps where it like kind of gives you like a snapshot of all your personal finances in one place. But yeah, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Once you start bringing machine learning into that and you start making this like a really holistic overview of all your finances. Um, I was talking to someone one time that was like interested in starting a startup where they like wanted to, yeah, list all your assets. So like your car and your house and like your exact net worth based off of like the valuations of everything. But anyways, gathering all that data into one hub like you said, and then being able to get like insights and suggestions on what to do. And it's like, you know, maybe your AI looks at all your finances, kind of knows you better than you. And you're, it's like, look, you typically pay this bill late or look, you're like really cutting it close on your credit card payments every month or whatever, like your thing is. And being able to give you like customized advice for that, that would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the future that's in hand in the years to come as this data becomes um, open and available. Um, and, and for, for analysis, for these tools, uh, I think we're at an exciting moment here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My question to you on that specifically, though, would be, and I guess this isn't that big of a deal. Right now, probably the biggest problem to the average consumer 
is like a financial advisor, they probably think that it's like expensive or out of reach or they need a lot of money to access that. So it probably essentially opens it up. Because at first my thinking was like, oh, is this bad for like financial advisors? They'll lose their job because this takes over. I guess what's your what's your take on that? So so part of it is cost. Another part of it is quality and trust. Uh, so a person needs to trust um, whatever the source of information is, the quality of the information. Um, I, I think a, a parallel innovation here around generative AI and more than the content space is I think that advice and insights can be delivered to people both in real time, but also within the context that they feel most comfortable in. So I think that's that's kind of an adjacent space, but I think a space that's also very relevant right here. Mm, yeah, fascinating. It's going to be crazy to see how you know AI and all of this really rolls out within um, finance. Now, I kind of alluded to this when I when I gave your bio at the beginning, your intro. Um, you are an advisor at the Aspen Institute and at the World Bank. I'm wondering, based off of that, what are some of the key takeaways on um, advancing finance? Uh, through technology, what are some of your key takeaways you've you've received or, or given in that kind of role? Yeah, two come to mind right now. Um, one one is um, data and technology is important, but policy is just as important. And so I alluded to the CCB's rulemaking on open finance. I think that's one example uh, in many areas where regulators need to lead a little bit and shape the future of of data and technology within the within the financial ecosystem. And, and de-risk things, so to speak, so that financial providers have confidence and know the rules of the road as it relates to other things. Um, I think a area that is equally as exciting is the whole reg tech and supervisory space. Um, so thinking about the use of data and technology for purposes of being the most compliant. Um, and a trend that I've seen globally as well is financial regulators themselves becoming large users of machine learning tools. And, and I think uh, oftentimes, and, and I'm guilty of this, uh, we're so focused on use cases on the financial product level or, or implementing there, um, but our government and financial regulators globally um, are just as capable of deploying AI machine learning tools. And if you think about it, particularly in the consumer protection space, so much of oversight is reading a disclosure, um, reading through complaints. It's a lot of content. Um, so advances in NLP and, and other related areas are really going to enable regulators to be superheroes, so to speak, uh, and be able to parse through a lot of information and detect risks. And ultimately, when regulators do their job better, it means that people have more confidence in our financial system, that it's truly weeding out the bad actors and bad practices uh, and helping people live better. Um, and, and the good financial providers are also you know, showcased uh, through that process as well. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think those are some good insights. Something else I want to ask you about, though, is uh, really when we're looking at the financial sector and kind of consumer protection, I'm wondering what role do you see AI specifically playing in consumer protection within the financial sector? We see a lot of like banks, other people rolling different AI tools out there, but specifically when it kind of comes to um, you know, consumer protection, how do you think AI is going to play a role here? Yeah. So they're on a few different levels. So within the financial, the fintech company, for example, um, I think you have the opportunity to monitor your own activity. Um, I think you have the opportunity, as we do, to acquire and attract new customers, um, particularly those who come from underserved segments, and then be able to retain them over time. 
Um, I also think from a consumer protection lens, um, going back to my reg tech comment, I think regulators will use a lot more of that data to monitor what's going on in the market and to ensure people are having good experiences with the financial providers that they engage and to highlight risks within the system. Uh, so also, so, so on those two levels, I see, I see benefits as it relates to consumer protection, both financial services providers being able to use these tools and, and regulators themselves. Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, so something that I, I think it's been kind of controversial for a number of reasons in a, in a handful of different industries, um, is kind of some of the, some of the considerations you have to make when you're using AI for credit underwriting specifically. And I know that, you know, companies like Klarna or um, PayLater, essentially the PayLater companies, they've, they've kind of had to wrestle with like the best ways to go about doing this. But I'm wondering from your end, how are you guys approaching kind of the balance of, you know, ethical considerations or or all of that when it comes to using AI for kind of credit underwriting? For sure. So the biggest ethical implication within credit underwriting, in my view, is the decision around who gets approved and who doesn't, uh, particularly when you're using these advanced models, these new data sets. Um, and, and I think it's, it's clear around who's approved. You know, the business case there is you're expanding access to credit that's affordable to new people. Um, we're in that business, the Klarna's of the world and others um, would indicate that they're in that business. It's the people who are declined and the responsibility that we bear there and the ethical considerations. And, and ultimately, ultimately, my view is we ought to help those people understand why they're declined and help them do better in the future. So a lot of the initiatives, for example, around um, credit card companies and other lenders providing access to the credit score and to the underlying information that they're making, um, that, that they're making that decision on, I think are great steps to helping educate people to how they can be a better credit customer in the future. Um, so I think those are some of the ethical considerations. I also know there's a lot uh, right now related to explainability and black box models. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you convey those kinds of decisions to a customer? Um, and here in the United States, uh, regulators have come out with guidance indicating that um, use of machine learning does not uh, reduce your obligation to explain what it is that that you are doing. Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. So so we do that, um, and I think there are ways of making models explainable to the end user and conveying, I think, most importantly, how they can do better in the future. Okay. You know what? I actually absolutely love your take on that, and I love your perspective because I think what you said is so important. Which is essentially when you talk about ethical considerations, like if you're trying to be fair the best thing you can do is be transparent, right? Like if someone gets declined, explain why they got declined, explain how they can improve their credit, expl explain how they can kind of bring themselves. Because of course, the last thing you want is to extend credit to someone who isn't ready, who isn't capable of, you know, repaying and, you know, you're, you're making their credit situation worse. And, and uh, of course, there's like a, I think the ethical part of this or, or where some people complain or think it's controversial is kind of like, well, you know, your company only extends credit to like this certain segment of the population is, you know, statistically receives less credit from your company. And it's kind of hard because it's like, on the one hand, you could be like, okay, well, we're going to put in like special rules that we're just going to approve different people, no matter what disproportionately. I mean, you can kind of look at, um, and I know this is all controversial, but like affirmative action in college, 
that was the method, right? Was there were certain segments of the population that weren't getting into college. So they had certain actions to help the, increase the numbers there. And um, that's it's, it's got its own thing. But you could see the same kind of thing happening with applying credit and, and companies. And the problem, I'm sure, which people see is, you know, if you give someone credit in a highly regulated industry like finance, or if you if you extend that credit to them and they're not ready for it and they're not a good customer for it, like it's a lot more difficult than just saying, okay, we're just going to give it to people anyways because they're underserved or because they traditionally don't get it. So I love your answer on transparency. I think that's the solution. Um, really being transparent and helping people know why, not having that black box situation and knowing what they could do to improve and access that. So I uh, love your take on that. And I think that's really, really cool. Um, I'm wondering, Absolutely. based off of everything you're you're seeing kind of in the industry, what are some emerging trends in AI that you think are going to kind of significantly pe- uh, impact the financial industry in the next, let's say, five years? For sure. Um, a, a few of them that I'm really excited by that I think are high impact here. Um, one is around all the advances with generative AI. Um, we are piloting use cases within our company related to making our relationship managers, you know, superheroes and giving them superpowers as it relates to being able to parse through a lot of customer inquiries, respond to things automatically, um, you know, give them the power at, at, at their at their fingertips. Um, and I think that's really going to remake customer service in the years to come and how people interact with their financial providers. Um, I think the the Erica, which is a, a voice assistant from Bank of America, um, I think the things that we've seen in the past few years um, are only the beginning of this trend of what we're going to see in the years to come. Um, I think the second is open finance. Um, so every financial provider should be thinking about in the years to come as more data becomes available. How do you become the hub for a user and provide your customers more insights? Um, and that could be... Uh, cross-selling them new products. It could be strategic partnerships with other companies um, to to share products and bundle products together. Um, But I think a lot more use cases will be enabled there um, in in the years to come um, as a result of that. Um, And then then there's also a big consideration here around new customers. Uh, so, So how do you think about using these technologies to acquire new customers um, there are, for example, um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of new people coming to the US, Canada, Europe every year. How do you think about targeting and acquiring new customers um, and really thinking about your product suite in a financially health focused way um, and more of a financial outcomes perspective? And so I think the, the winners in this next phase in fintech and financial services will be those who ride those trends in the years to come. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, those are some good insights. It'll be interesting to kind of follow along, but I think that, I think you're right on that. Listen, as we are wrapping up this interview today, the last thing I would love to ask you about is, you know, based on your experience, where do you see the future of AI and finance heading? What are some, what are some pieces of advice that you feel like you could give to, um, you know, maybe companies looking at in the financial sector or other sectors looking at implementing AI into what they're working on? Uh, yeah, I guess what's some what's a piece of advice you feel like you could give? For sure. Um, it, so uh, first of all, the future of machine learning and AI and financial services is really bright. As more data becomes available and, and the analytics and the tools get that much better, I, I think it can be overwhelming to know where to start. Uh, and so what I really encourage uh, the companies, mentors, or other people I connect with is take an iterative approach 
Um, our underwriting model took years to develop, and you don't need to develop the most performative machine learning AI model in three months. Um, you can take things in iterations and improve things through a continuous improvement cycle and loop as you go. Um, so that would be my advice. Don't boil the ocean, start small, and let it snowball from there. I love it. That is some incredible advice, Mac. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. If people want to find out more about or you know, connect with you or find out more about Empower, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Um, go to empowerfinancing.com. That's our website. Follow us on LinkedIn. Um, and you're always available to email me. Um, maybe we can add my email address in the sure. podcast description. Yeah, sounds great. Mac, thank you so much for coming on. These have been incredible insights to the listener. Thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.